0: This is Performance Delivered, Insider Secrets for
1: Digital Marketing Success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn about how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. Today, I'm happy to have with me Benjamin Shapiro, Ben is the host of the very popular MarTech podcast. In addition, he runs an agency that helps companies with brand development as well as growth marketing strategies. Ben, great to have you on the show. It's exciting to be here, Stefan. Thanks for inviting me to be your guest. Yeah, no problem. Ben, why don't we talk about a little bit about yourself? Tell us, tell the listeners about yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, where should I start? I guess the... Uh, You mentioned that I am a brand development and marketing strategy, growth strategy consultant. Um, But in a previous life, I transitioned away from working at a big company. I was at eBay Mm -hmm. where I was doing business development. Um, So a company of 13,000 people. And I stepped away to launch my own startup. Um, It was a startup called StrumSchool.com, which was a guitar lesson marketplace, Um, And so I went from being at a company of 13,000 to a company of one, which taught me a tremendous amount about figuring out how to develop content and marketing strategies and a lot of product development. Mm -hmm. And mostly it taught me what I don't know in the sense that I wasn't a a great founder at the time and I learned a lot of hard lessons from launching my own (laughs) startup and eventually decided that I was going to go back into marketing I ran the marketing departments at a couple early stage startups, mm-hmm. um, and so got a chance to focus on one vertical of business, which was my strong suit: um, finding customers, understanding their needs, and then you know figuring out how to how to reach them and and get them through a marketing funnel. Um, and then eventually, I I left working at an early stage startup or multiple early stage startups, running the marketing department and decided that I was going to branch out on my own. And so for the last three years, I've been running an independent marketing consulting practice, um, meaning that I am, again, at a company of one. I have a a handful Mm -hmm. of uh, freelancers and contractors that that support me, and I built out a consulting network. Mm -hmm. And then in the last little over a year, uh, to try to build up the reputation and influence of my consulting practice, I launched a a podcast called the Martech Podcast, which uh, grew much faster than I ever could have expected, and so now that's really my primary focus: is making content uh, and talking to other marketers about you know some of the tools, tips, strategies, and career development they have uh, using technology to drive marketing growth. So, a little bit of a roundabout path to becoming a, a podcast host and producer, and I still do some consulting, but that's kind of my background.
1: How did you come about to to launch a podcast? I mean, there are there are other you know solutions businesses can look at and can consider to build their brand and attract clients. Why did you decide to do a podcast?
0: You know, it started out as a passion project for me, and it wasn't the Martech podcast, which was my first podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Truth be told, I went to my friend's birthday party and probably had one too many beers and uh was feeling a little uh I don't know a little loose and got in the front seat of a lift on my way driving through the uh streets of San Francisco to get home mm-hmm. and I sat down and talked to a man who was a a defector from North Korea mm-hmm. and his story was amazing he had grew, grew up in North Korea um, but his dad was Chinese, and so um, basically he was left without a family. His dad abandoned him, and his mom, I believe, passed away. And so he decided that he was not going to escape North Korea to find his dad. And through a roundabout way, he ended up uh, getting caught and then escaping again and, and somehow managed to uh, become a refugee through the United Nature- Nations and wound up in Silicon Valley driving a lift. So his story was just so profoundly amazing to me and and he wanted to tell it to a larger group of people that I decided I was going to record it and turn it into a podcast. Um the show is called A Long Road Home and and it was truly just an art project. It was a passion project and something that since I was consulting and I had, you know, control over my schedule and and uh-huh. you know the flexibility that comes with consulting at times um, I was able to produce this and learn about content production, audio content production. Mm-hmm. Um, and so fast forward six months or a year later, my consulting business had hit a point where, you know, I rolled off a couple of clients and I was just finding that my revenue curve was inconsistent. There'd be times that mm-hmm. I would have three projects at once and I'd be working my butt off. <laughs> and then there was times when I would have one or zero projects and I'd have lots of free time. And I wanted to smooth that out. So I decided that I was going to start podcasting to try to do three things. One, do lead generation for my consulting practice, you know, build Mm -hmm. influence and awareness of my business to try to drive more leads so I would have more consistent revenue. Um, Two, I thought it would be a good positioning exercise if I decided I wanted to go back Mm in-house at a, you know, get a traditional J-O-B. And three, I thought there was an opportunity down the road if the podcast did well to monetize it and mm-hmm. uh, and you know that's really how i got into the podcasting space
1: interesting when we before we started you mentioned um we talked about actually that you're pushing out quite a few episodes uh a week i think it's five every day one how how do you go about publishing that many i mean there must it must take a lot of time to to find the people that are on your podcast to prepare for the conversations you know to to record the after recording so of kind of you know preparing for release and so on. does that all fit in a seven you know 24
0: hour day seven day week? You know the irony is my work day. Uh, I have a two and a half year old son, and so I have to you know along with my wife get him ready to get out the door and you know he leaves to go to daycare at like seven 30 and then I have to go pick him up at five. So, I am not actually putting in a high volume of hours. You know, I am sprinting throughout the day, but that, you know, it's not like I am up early in the morning and then working until 2 a.m. because I have family obligations. And I think yeah. that between consulting clients and content production and marketing and the ad sales that I'm doing for the Martech podcast, it can seem overwhelming trying to record a lot of content. It is absolutely worth it. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the keys to growing your podcast and growing any sort of content business is that you really need to be consistent and present in mm-hmm. present in a channel for a long period of time. Um, originally, when I started the podcast, we were doing one episode, and I broke the episodes into two parts. Mm -hmm. And so I would do an interview and it would become two episodes. And the reason why I did that is I wanted to put in a hook at the end of the first episode to say, if you want to hear the second part of this conversation, you should, uh, you know, subscribe to my podcast and you'll hear the second part tomorrow. So check Mm -hmm. back in. And it really, it was a, you know, an engagement hook, right? I was trying to get people to subscribe to the show to hear the second half of the podcast. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't just doing that like, you know, halfway through the show or abruptly ended. I would try to make the episode into two topics. Mm-hmm. So for example, in, in this interview, I would have broken it up into, we're going to hear about Ben's experience becoming a podcast host. And in the second episode, we're going to hear about his tips for growing a podcast, mm-hmm. right? They're two discrete pieces of content, yep. but with the same guest. <clears throat> and so... My realization from that strategy is, A, I was getting a high subscriber rate early on. Even though we were only publishing two pieces of content a week, we were getting something like 80, 85% of our listeners were subscribers. And B, because the content was relatively short, people were consuming like you know, 85, 90% of each episode. So I'm like, okay, we're on to a format that really works. So over time, what I did was I tried to test, you know, what happens if we publish two of these episodes over a week? Mm -hmm. So now I'm only doing, you know, two interviews. It's an hour of time. It's not a ton. Mm -hmm. And that's almost a week's worth of content, right? That's four episodes right there. Mm -hmm. Eventually we expanded into what happens if I do, instead of a 60-minute interview, a 90-minute interview, and I do 15-minute episodes, but I do five of them. So, I can make five interviews with a 90 minute interview, five episodes with a 90 minute interview, and I can publish it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all week long. And Mm -hmm. now I have a themed week of content. And people just gobbled that stuff up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the shorter pieces of content for me, 15 to 25 minutes is around what we shoot for. Some of our episodes go up to 45 minutes, depending on, you know, the type of content. But the shorter pieces of content, publishing them more frequently, Mm-hmm. It means we're able to publish every day, but doesn't mean I necessarily have to have hours of interviews that are built up. You know, I can do an interview for an hour and a half and be done with my content for a week. Mm-hmm. The other thing is over time, you know, I'm using MarTech tools. I have email templates that I'm using to do my outreach. I use a tool called MixMax and I have a template that is my guest outreach template, which you know, basically writes the email for me. Yeah. Um, and then I'm using a scheduler link. There's one through MixMax. a scheduler link. There's one through MixMax. Mix um, you can also use things like Calendly to help mm-hmm. people block off time on your calendar. Um, at some point, uh, when I was publishing content consistently enough, probably about six months into the production of the show, uh, I started getting contacted by PR agents. And so I actually don't do a lot of guest scheduling and coordination. There are some themed content where Mm -hmm. like, for example, this week on the MarTech podcast, we're doing women in MarTech week. So I reached out to marketing executives that are female, you know, female CMOs and agency owners to try to find good examples of women leaders on the show. And so for Mm -hmm. those Important themed pieces of content or or series of content, I will reach out. But most of the events, uh, most of the episodes that I'm recording, either they're people that are in my professional network and I'm having conversations and saying, Hey, you should be a guest on my show. Mm -hmm. Or it is PR agents that are reaching out to me saying, Hey, do you want to talk to the CMO of this company who is interested in being on your show? So the the scheduling work has basically been taken off of my plate over time because mm-hmm. the reach of the show has grown. Yeah. But I, you know, I think that the biggest lesson here is that shorter pieces of content that you're breaking up is the best way to stay present and in the feeds on a regular basis, and it also helps your you know, your content consumption and allows people to have a reason to follow you.
1: That's that's a that's a good advice. I mean, you said now you don't have to really reach out to many people because people practically reach out to you and say, hey, can person X, Y, Z be on your show and talk about this? But going back to the beginning, what came first, identifying a topic for the podcast and then going out and finding a person that can talk about that? Or did you identify someone that you wanted to have on the show and then discuss with that person the topic you two would talk about?
0: It's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Um, there are some people that were subject matter experts that mm-hmm. I wanted to cover a topic because I thought it was one of the pillars of marketing early on. There are other people who I just thought were really interesting people. And they were working in businesses that, you know, maybe not everyone was thinking about as a channel that they could apply, mm-hmm. but they were just fascinating conversations. And so, you know, I'll give you an example. One of my first interviews um, was with a, a a mentor of mine, Brian Bennett, who runs a, a video advertising platform called Agami TV, which is image spelled backwards. Mm-hmm. And he's running a, a video advertising network a network for, you know, content publishers with millions of pages, right? It, it's a, you his his target market is relatively small um, and they have to be sort of big budget advertisers for the most part. Not a marketing channel that most people are going to be working in, but Brian's story is fascinating. He grew up and, you know, went to college and eventually somehow worked his way into uh, international studies. And he spent a lot of time in Russia during, I believe, the late 90s early 2000s and you know was basically trying to understand the international business relationships between the United States and Russia after the Cold War mm-hmm. and somehow worked his way through ad sales at Yahoo to becoming his own bootstrap martech company founder <laughs> so you know i just thought that was an interesting story and on mm-hmm. the flip side you know one of the other first interviews i had was with uh, kevin warner who's the ceo of ledium which is a email outreach and prospecting company. Mm-hmm. One of the most commonly used services with lots of competition. And so I wanted to talk to him about that space because most B2B brands or anybody with a sales team is trying to figure out a way to drive scale yeah. through their you know lead generation and, and SDR teams. Mm-hmm. And so you know, Kevin's story is interesting, but it's more because of the channel that he was in. And Brian's mm-hmm. story was interesting because of the person that he is in the person that he is. Um, So hit or miss, You know, sometimes the channel is interesting, sometimes the personal story is interesting. And that actually led us into maybe the lesson here is that we have different content franchises on the MarTech podcast. We do subject matter experts where we're interviewing somebody about a specific subject. Mm -hmm. We talk to some people about their career development and how they got from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. And then people that are experts on a really interesting topic you know like we did paid social week a, a week or two ago mm-hmm. um you know somebody that can talk to all of the paid social landscape we do weekly topics as well and some product spotlights and over time we've developed these different content franchises and that gets into how do we produce so much content we have five different types of interviews and the way that i'm conducting those interviews are relatively formulaic so I don't have to do a ton of advanced prep because I have done the same type of interview multiple times and I know the questions I'm going to ask independent of the type of business that I'm talking to, the type of person that I'm talking to. So that takes some of the you know, the, the mental gymnastics of prepping mm. for a podcast away so I can just turn on the mic and go.
1: I think that's a, that's a, that's a great advice because I think many people that might say, hey, you know what, podcasts... I, I could do that. They might then struggle when they are in a conversation, say, well, you know, what questions should I ask? Do I need to prepare? How much time is that going to take? Yes, it's an hour or how long you want to record, but then how much time was it going to take me before and after? Which actually, the after part is is, is interesting, I think. I assume you have a team of, of people that help you prepare the content, you know, clean up the audio and then um, post things, et cetera. But for someone who starts out who doesn't have a team at hand, how much time do you think did it take you in the beginning to, you know, after you recorded the uh, the episode to prepare them for, for publishing?
0: Yeah. So I guess I'll frame this with I consider myself to be a solopreneur. And by that, I mean, I am one person running a company of one, Mm -hmm. and I work with a handful of contractors and freelancers. Some of the Mm -hmm. relationships I have have lasted for years, right? They are uh, an important, critical piece of my business, but they are part-time and they have discrete functions. They are very much contractors that are working for me because they are running their own businesses as well. and so I absolutely have a, a team of what is it like six or seven people mm-hmm. uh, working on the pod, on, on the on, working on my podcast at any given mm-hmm. time. Um, but initially I started off trying to figure out how to do every piece. And so mm-hmm. when I first recorded my first episode, I went through and did the editing. And then mm-hmm. I said, okay, this is how I want the content to sound And I found a professional editor and said, here is an example of how I want the edits to be done. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Here is my template. Please Mm -hmm. follow it. And of course the editor was like, look, I can do a better job editing than (laughs) you're doing. I understand what you're trying to accomplish because you went out and figured out what was the interview style. And it gave Mm -hmm. him something to react to and try to replicate. Yeah. Then, and you know, early on, I was the one who was getting the transcriptions and publishing them to my website. Mm -hmm. and, You know, Over time, I said, okay, this is what we need to do once we have a piece of audio to get a transcription and to post a page on my website that makes it relevant. And so I found a consultant or a a freelancer to help me with that production piece. Mm -hmm. Um, Eventually, we moved from not just transcribing the interviews but to turning the transcriptions into more blog formats. And so we had to find a writer. And so moral of the story is whether it be content editing, content, you know, production, refactoring, um, or even our our social content syndication, Mm -hmm. I start off figuring out what the template is. And once I figure that out, I try to document everything I'm doing. I will create a Google Doc saying, step by step, here's what I'm doing Mm -hmm. to, you know, to perfect this part of the process. And then I take that document and I go on to Upwork and I find somebody to help me do that. And I'm, I'm taking advantage of some of the economics of geography. So, you know, whether it be, you know, people in Eastern Europe or the Philippines or, you know, and and some Mm -hmm. of the people here are domestic resources in the United States. Um, I'm trying to find people that are going to be, working on very concrete tasks that can do them repeatedly, taking advantage of their best skills, whether they're writers or product managers or editors or designers. And I am carving out a single piece of the process and (laughs) having them replicate the same template over and over, which keeps our consistency high.
1: What do you need to get started um, with recording a podcast? What is the minimum someone needs to have to get started? Are there any, you know, what's the um yeah. technology software etc
0: yeah start lean right um mm-hmm. and th- that's the the beauty of podcasting and and sort of the development of user-generated content like you don't have to have a hundred thousand dollar recording studio to make a monetizable podcast um what you need is a laptop mm-hmm. um some sort of recording software um where you can record, my advice would be to record your guest and your host in two separate channels. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, go to Upwork and find an editor. You can find editors for 15 bucks an hour, mm-hmm. you know? So if you're recording uh, an hour long episode, plan on spending 50 bucks an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I use, what is this thing? A Yeti. I think it's a blue microphone. I believe it costs yeah. 150 bucks. I got it on Amazon. I got the yeah. black one cause I think it looks cool. A mic stand, a pop filter, and a USB cord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my editor is cleaning up my audio. And, but, you know, I'm not doing anything scientific. I don't have any sort of mixer or complicated hardware. I'm literally just plugging in a USB mic. Um, I, the, I would look up one that is a cardoid, a cardoid mic, mm-hmm. which means that it just focuses on one direction of audio. So when you speak into the mic, you have to speak into the part that is recording, which gets rid of a lot of the background noise. Mm-hmm. um so as long as you have some sort of program where you can isolate your audio from your guests audio you need a USB mic um, I use zoom conference and a service call or a tool called audio hijack to separate my guest and my host audio channels and my editor cleans up the files and send them sends them back to me we use Dropbox to share the files and then to publish it I'm using a I'm using a service called art 19 but I, I don't advise people use that when they're just getting started. My, I advise that they start with a service called Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's somewhere between $20 to $40 a month to get your podcast content into every major app store. Mm-hmm. Um, I use Art19 because we are selling advertising and okay. we do something called dynamic insertion, which is yeah. we take all of the old advertisements out And whenever we have a new podcast sponsor, we're able to replace all of the ads in our old content with new ones so we could Mm -hmm. sell our entire catalog of advertising instead of just the current episodes. Um, But Art19 is a wonderful platform when you get to sort of the monetizable stage. But really what you need um, more than anything is differentiation. Mm -hmm. You need to understand what you're going to ask your guests and I would actually create a template and, you know, build a content franchise where you're going to do the same type of interview over and over and over again. So you could do it in a scalable, consistent fashion. Mm-hmm. You don't need a ton of software. You don't need a ton of hardware, um, you know, between your laptop, let's say, you know, $200 of recording gear and 75 bucks worth of software between, mm-hmm. you know, Mix Max and, libsyn as a host and dropbox you know you're talking about 100 bucks a month and 200 dollars to get started it's not a very expensive way to produce content and that's one of the reasons why i was attracted to it it's not video which requires a you know a lot more hardware and you know a lot more cost in terms of editing
1: yeah and you get you get this content out relatively quickly right i mean companies these days have you know they have some options to build their brand. One other topic is blogging. We might have a chance to talk about that later, later on. But you know, you can you can write a content piece, and then you rely you basically rely on Google or any other search engines to pick up the topic, and then hopefully you get some backlinks to to kind of move up in the search engine rankings. But that's something that will take time for you to see results in regards to traffic to your website. While I feel based on what you just said. From a podcast perspective, you can set this up. You can create a content piece within a day, two days after planning, and then the next day you can launch it, and it's out there for people to to consume.
0: Yeah, I mean the workflow. If we were starting from scratch right now, our show is a little different because we have recorded more content than we publish. So right now, if I were going to record an episode, it would be playing, it would be published in two months from now, and that is purely because. We have a lot of content recorded. we've built up an archive yeah. which if you're going to create a podcast, I would not start publishing until you have your first ten episodes recorded mm-hmm. right You want to have a month of content built up so you're not constantly under the gun to produce content. You mm-hmm. can be a little bit more strategic about who you're reaching out to at first and make sure that the content quality yeah. is high um, If we were starting from square one, you know record let's say it takes a week to schedule someone a week to two weeks to schedule someone you'd have to go through the calendaring process then once mm-hmm. you have the episode recorded you're looking at you know three to five days of editing time depending on the length of the episode so now you're two to three weeks in um, mm-hmm. and then you know once you're publishing the episode that's great but you're not going to have a following so you <laughs> need to start thinking about how you're going to take that content and how you're going to share it in appropriate places. So can you get your guests to talk about it on LinkedIn and Twitter or Facebook wherever they have a network. So the work doesn't end once you publish your content. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually you will build an audience and and you know when you share your content with enough people it starts to become viral but you know publishing is only half of the game. There is then the content syndication and promotion piece which is what really helps you to grow your audience at first. And
1: I think that's a that's a good a good next uh, point to talk about. How do you and i know you i think you just recently did a did a podcast uh, kind of an, an answer you know question ask and answer episode where someone asked you, you know how can I make my podcast more popular? but how would someone in the beginning go about to make their podcast known to people out there what did you do in the beginning um what channels did you use did you did you spend money um to to promote it
0: yes all of those things um i think that first and foremost understand who your audience is right i was publishing uh, the martech podcast so Mm -hmm. i was going to when i initially launched the podcast i sent an email to. All of my friends and people in my personal network, I went through LinkedIn and created my list mm-hmm. and shared my content, just the launch announcement with marketers, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how I got my first 200 followers, right? Okay. Uh, you know, and it might not have even been that many, might've been 20 for all I know. Yeah. Um, I consistently published. And so I would promote my content on LinkedIn, which for my show, you know, it's a professional show. I felt like that was the right social network. And we mm-hmm. we did some stuff on Twitter, but it really didn't have a, a major effect for us. But I started seeing more of a signal and some syndication on LinkedIn. Um, I positioned the show to be in a growing medium right the martech community is growing as a whole and there wasn't a ton of martech content out in the podcast landscape Mm -hmm. so people that were looking for the keyword martech or martech podcast found our show relatively easily so there was some whether you call it app store optimization or seo strategy Mm -hmm. built in there yeah and then i did paid promotion relatively early on um the service i use is a platform called knit k-n-i-t Um, It is a dynamic podcast insertion, dynamic insertion podcast advertising platform. So Mm -hmm. you can create an audio ad and insert it into shows like the CNN network of shows, Anderson Cooper, uh, Jake Tapper. Um, There's, there's other shows that are not necessarily about politics, but, you know, comedy and business. But these are really sort of Premium pieces of content with large reach, mm-hmm. and so I started advertising at the end of other podcasts, which is called a post-roll spot, mm-hmm. for a dollar CPM, a dollar per thousand podcast downloads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started getting subscribers to my show for somewhere between a dollar to a dollar and fifty cents at first. Okay, uh, and now that I've scaled, the, you know, that channel, it's down to seventy-five cents per download. So. I was investing a couple hundreds of dollars a month. You know, I think I spent $10,000 total in year one in knit podcast advertising or or Mm -hmm. somewhere close to that. Um, And that drove almost all of my first 10,000 subscribers.
1: I mean, there's a lot of statistics or or analytics available um, from the the different podcast uh, platforms about, you know, who your listeners are, age range, what topics are listen to predominantly how much time do you spend going into the this data or into these platforms to look at the data to define you know this topic did well this topic didn't do well I'm really resonating with a certain audience around a specific topic better does that play a, a role in in your planning for for future podcasts
0: um it probably should um I don't do a lot of retrospective analysis on content. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of that is instinctual. Um, there are three data sources that I look at to try to understand what the growth and health of the podcast is. Um, I look at, first off, my hosting stats, which gives me the number of downloads, what episodes are the top performing episodes, and what geographies people are downloading the podcast in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get a sense of which episodes are performing well. Um, the other thing I look at is my Apple podcast stats, mm-hmm. which gives me a sense of how much of the content my audience is consuming and are they subscribing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what that tells me is, you know, am I producing content that people think is interesting? Mm-hmm. And are do they like the theme of the show enough to follow along with it? We get somewhere between an 85% to a 90% subscriber rate and people listen to anywhere from 75 to 95% of each episode um with the exception of if we go over 45 minutes it drops down closer to 65 but we rarely mm-hmm. ever do that what that taught me is you know there wasn't a specific topic we needed to cover When we cover a broad range of topics, people are interested in the show, so we try to keep it diverse and interesting. Mm -hmm. People never really know what they're going to get um, in terms of what the topic is, but they know that the format of content is something that they really like. Um, And then we've been consistent enough that people are interested in subscribing, so we get a lot of people that are following with the show. The average listener to our show listens to, I think last month it was an hour and 23 minutes of content a month. And so they're listening to, if they're 15 to 20 minute episodes, they're listening to at least an episode a week, mm-hmm. um, which is how I think about it. Mm-hmm. And the last source that I look at to understand our audience, and this is really the problem with the podcast space, is when somebody becomes a subscriber or listen to your show, because it's happening in Apple's platform or Spotify's platform, mm-hmm. you don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And so I look at the people that are reaching out to me on LinkedIn because we're producing a professional show as an indicator of who is following and who's listening to my show. I don't do any LinkedIn advertising. And so I'm looking at those job titles to understand who my audience is. And so we've been able to triangulate that for my show. We're not necessarily getting the early career entrance, the like entry-level people that are trying to learn marketing 101. We are getting decision makers. We're getting, you know, operational directors and executives at technology driven companies that are listening to the show. So, you know, it might be the CMO of a growth stage tech startup, or, you know, the director of demand gen at a larger company, Mm -hmm. but they are, that's how I figured out who my audience is, is by looking at signals outside of the podcast landscape and trying to figure out how they, you know, figured out who I was and why they were trying to engage with me. And
1: as you've You know, as you launched uh, the Martech podcast as a means of demand generation for your consulting business, I think those are the people you want to talk to, anyway, right? (laughs) The more junior people might not be the decision makers at the brands that you might want to work with.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the show is sophisticated enough. You know, we—it's really a question of who we're talking to, and Mm -hmm. so if we started talking to, uh, you know, early career entrance or at right, the entry level marketers we would be describing things like here's what a cpc is versus a cpa versus a cpm mm-hmm. we don't get into that sort of foundational level of understanding marketing language mm-hmm. we talk sort of past that and so the people that you know we speak their language they're the followers of our show and they already have some marketing experience um, not to say that you know we don't want the people that are early career entrants to listen to the show we're actually i'm I'm expanding our podcast into a podcast network and we're launching a show called the finding a job podcast which talks to people that are early in their career to try Mm -hmm. to give them actionable skills for how to find the right job for them and how to understand what the the various career paths are so we're producing content for that audience but it's not what the martech podcast speaks to that
1: makes sense um ben i think uh this has been this has been a great conversation um I learned a lot in addition to what we already do here um and as i said it's been it's been great to see how how your podcast has grown over the last year um I think you have over a hundred thousand subscribers if I read that correctly
0: not not quite that many we hit thirty thousand downloads uh last month and i okay. we had uh a hundred and 75,000 total downloads. So I wish it was 100,000 subscribers. We're, that's our goal for the year is to get to 100,000 downloads a month.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, then you know, I talked about the goal already. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I crossed my fingers for that. Um, ben, if people want to find out more about you, um, what you do, or maybe are even interested in having have a story they would love to tell on you know on your podcast, how can they find you?
0: Yeah. Before I answer your question, and I will, I think one of the things for the people that are interesting and learning interested in learning about how to develop a podcast or hear hearing the story of how my podcast has grown at the end of every month, we do a monthly recap, and so you can go back and listen to our monthly recaps for the thirteen months we've been publishing our content and follow along with the story of our podcast obviously i would love for you to listen to every episode but there's something like 150 episodes or or more that we've published but if you mm-hmm. really want to learn about what we've tried how it worked and and everything that happened along the ways there's 13 episodes that are an average of like 15 minutes each mm-hmm. go and listen to those to to find the show you can go to martechpod.com um, or you can go to my consulting website, which is benjshap.com, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P.com. And there's a link to the MarTech podcast on there. And there's contact us forums uh, everywhere. So send us an email through the website, send me an email through the website, um, or you can uh, reach out on any social media network, LinkedIn, Twitter. My handle is benjshap and happy to to chat with anybody interested in Learning about the podcast space or anybody that needs some marketing help.
1: Wonderful. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital.